It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. The Cincinnati Bengals have signed Joe Mixon to a four-year contract extension. I'm sure James and I will have some small disagreements about the money and whatever, but we're going to talk about, obviously, this contract extension to start the show. And then, as promised yesterday, it is our midweek mailbag, and we've got a bunch of questions from you tweeted at our Locked On Bengals Twitter account that we will answer in segments two and three of the show. But James, the show writes itself today. We need to talk about Joe Mixon. The contract details per Ian Rappaport on Joe Mixon's four-year, $48 million extension are $10 million of signing bonus, $8 million base salary in 2021 and 2022, $9.4 million base salary in 2023, and a club option for 2024, there are additionally about $700,000 in likely-to-be-earned bonuses for Mixon in each year of this contract. So starting in 2021, the cap number for Mixon probably goes up to around $11 million as that $10 million signing bonus is prorated over the five years of his current deal plus the extension years. I like it overall. I I, I think a lot of people saw the... $48 million, Jake, and they're like, man, $12 million per, that's, that's Derrick Henry money. And, and you you really, when you look at Mixon's production and you see what Derrick Henry did last year, you question it. But when you look at those details, I think it's pretty reasonable. Look, the Bengals at the back end here, when Mixon's 28 years old, they'll have an option for that 2024 season, like you mentioned. I like that. I like that they protected themselves. And it's a club option. It's nothing that Mixon can exercise or is in control of. They're paying him the the bonus money, a, a bunch of the signing bonus money up front. And, and I think part of that helps alleviate some of the, the stress that it could put if you were paying him $12 million in base salary each year. That isn't the case here. The base salary doesn't exceed, you know, just over nine, $9 million, like you said. So this is, I like the way it's structured. I think Mixon was certainly ecstatic when I saw him very briefly at practice today, he was out there, and then uh, I had to rush to, to write the story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly good for him, and I, I do think it does protect the Bengals enough given what you're extending, and I, by what I mean position-wise, what you're doing versus uh, the player itself. Yeah, so if I was going to defend the deal, and, and I'll go on the record here saying that overall, I think this is too much money and too much of the cap to allocate to Joe Mixon on a per year basis. And not because of Joe Mixon, just because of running backs in the NFL. That being said, I really like Joe Mixon as a football player. I think he's a fantastic running back. And I think if the Bengals can find a way to use him better, this contract looks a lot better. But from a contract perspective, what I really like here is I don't see a whole lot of guaranteed money. We talked about the club option. The Bengals have an out there. 
And if something catastrophic happens here, after 2021, I think, and, and we could be wrong here when we get some more of the details, the only money they're still on the hook for, from a cap perspective, is the remaining $6 million of prorated money from that signing bonus over the last three years of the deal. So it could be that on top of likely to be earned bonuses that we talked about, the 500000 in playtime bonus, 200000 in off-season workout bonuses. So it could be a little bit more. But to me, it looks like this deal pays Mixon if he stays healthy and productive. The Bengals are fairly well protected down the road. There isn't a whole lot of guaranteed money in play here. And that's par for the course for the Bengals. And the big question is, can this coaching staff get him more involved in the passing game? Because that is where Mixon has a lot of upsides still left in his game. That's the key to this deal is Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. What do they do? Does Joe Mixon get 55 targets, which is his career high? Or does he get 75? Does he get 80? Does he get 90? Like Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. You know, Kamara is a guy I, I remember the Bengals liking in 2017 and he's had 81 catches in each of his first three seasons with the Saints. And I, I keep hearing about how the Bengals are going to implement some of what Joe Brady did at LSU. Well, if that's the case, that's a lot of what the Saints have done in New Orleans because Brady was there as well. And if that happens, then Mixon should be much more active in the passing game. And if he is, I think you're going to unlock a whole nother level to his game. And this deal will look much, much different in a good way, from a Bengals perspective, even in your eyes, Jake. That is indeed the key. Can they find ways to get Joe Mixon involved in the efficient part of the offense? Because if they get leads, I feel very comfortable with Joe Mixon to ice a game, but you don't pay a guy $12 million a year to just ice you a game. You pay a guy that much money if he's going to help you win games in the first place. And it's on Joe Mixon and this coaching staff to figure out how he can do that best and most effectively in the next five years. Well, for years, A.J. Green's carried this offense, right? And he's been the makeup that hid some of Andy Dalton's flaws. And the moment he went down, the offense sputtered. Well, now Joe needs to be that guy. And I know I'm high on A.J. Green this year, and I've certainly made it clear that I expect big things out of him on this podcast. But I don't expect him to carry the team. I also don't expect Joe Burrow, a rookie quarterback with no offseason right? Uh, or a virtual offseason, no preseason games to carry the team. It's on another Joe. It's on Joe Mixon. So one, the coaching staff needs to unleash him and put him in position to, to make a difference. I mean, I, I look across the league, Jake, from Ezekiel Elliott, and, and I won't even continue or, or say Christian McCaffrey because I think it's so much different in Carolina, but Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Alvin Kamara, the, you know, there are guys that carry offenses and, and those are two. And you might say, well, in New Orleans, that's not the case. Mike Thomas. Well, Okay, but look back a couple of years ago. I think Drew Brees' career has been extended a bit to a degree because of a guy like Alvin Kamara. So I, I do think that running backs can matter, but it's up to the coaches in the system. And then you're just going to have to unleash him, and, and Joe needs to realize that now he is the focal point, at least in 2020. Maybe it ends up being number nine long term for most of this deal and most of this extension, but I think it's mixing in 2020, and he's going to have to be big. Yeah, the, the thing for me is, is is he going to be a consistent enough pass blocker for the coaching staff to trust him on passing downs? Because, yeah, we say every year that he needs to get more involved as a receiver. They need to find more ways to get him the ball, not as just a runner. He needs more touches. He, he He's career maximum in touches in a year is somewhere in the low 300s. 
right after the Bengals gave Corey Dillon his five-year extension back in 2001, he was getting 350, 400 touches a year. So, and that's in an era when he was running the ball a lot more. In modern NFL, you talk about Alvin Kamara, who's asking for Christian McCaffrey money, by the way, which is why he's on the trade block, because he's looking at Joe Mixon's deal, and he's saying, I need more money than that, because I'm better. I do more for your offense, which is true. He has done Mm -hmm. more for the offense. But that's not to say the Bengals can't find a better way to use Joe Mixon in that role. And and we can harp on this all day long. And it really comes down to most likely whether or not the coaching staff trusts him to pass block. And it's something that he finally got a little bit better at last year. And we'll see if he can continue to take steps in the right direction in 2020. Coming up next, we have some more Joe Mixon questions in today's mailbag and also some other questions that aren't only about Joe Mixon. But before we get there, today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. My favorite thing about rockauto.com, and I've talked about this a lot, is just how simple the interface is and just how expansive the selection is. When you add on to that the bonuses of supporting a family business, which is near and dear to my heart as someone who's had a family business around me for most of my life, and the fact that they're going to beat the prices of the chain store down the street, It's really a no-brainer for me to just sit at home, find what I need, and order it on rockauto.com. It's the easiest process ever. It's extremely convenient. I talk about it all the time, and hopefully you guys saw I tweeted out a picture. I ordered my air filters for my new Corolla and uh, got them in two days after ordering them. It was a really easy process to figure out which ones fit, what brand I wanted. They had all different sorts of brands of filters, so I could pick which level grade I wanted um, and they were delivered two days later, five minutes in, uh, they were installed and, uh, I'm breathing fresh air in my new used car. So if you want to do that, or if you have any other maintenance that you're going to do yourself, go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in their, how did you hear about us box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for our midweek mailbag here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Make sure you follow at Locked On Bengals on Twitter to get your questions in weekly. And Jake, let's start with another J. Jack on Twitter asks, how many catches slash receiving yards will Mixon have to make each year for you to be happy about the contract extension? I feel like the word happy is a lot for me here. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot for me to, to really wrap my head around when you could instead have spent that money that you spent on Joe Mixon right now, you could have instead gone out and signed a right tackle and not, and not have Bobby Hart. You could have gone out and, you know, you could have spent that money on Byron Jones instead of Trey Waynes, you know? So there, there are more important positions than running back where that money could be spent. But it's it's not so much about the volume of, of catches and receiving yards for Mixon that that will make or break the value of the contract extension. But I think that 
I want to see him getting like 60 catches plus per year and, and the yardage, whatever that that'll come. I just want to see there be a conscious and conscious effort to get him more involved. And, and if he can't do it, if, if they try it and it doesn't work, then you, you don't keep doing it just because you paid him. But you have to try because he's shown that ability. He showed it at Oklahoma. He's obviously dynamic with the ball in his hands. He makes your angles bad. Joe Mixon's primary strength is that your angles, that for most players in the NFL are good angles to take as a defender, do not work against Joe Mixon. And so you get him the ball in space, you make him make your angle obsolete. I just think that there needs to be more volume. I'm, I'm not really concerned about the total of yardage, but 60 catches, that, that seems like a good baseline for me. I don't know. Is that reasonable, James? It should be. Honestly, it should be. He should have more than 60 catches. But 60s, considering he's never had uh, over 300 receiving yards, he's never had 50 receptions in a season, I think 60 is a good start. But when you pay him this money, uh, and I would like, for example, I wouldn't have paid Derrick Henry this type of money. I, I wouldn't have. I think Mixon's better. I think he's more talented. I think he's got more in his arsenal. But the key to this is the coaching staff unleashing him. And I know we talked about that earlier, but that that really is that's the key to everything. Because if you unleash Joe Mixon, how close is he to Zeke from a talent perspective? I think he's pretty close. I'm not saying he is Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think he's as good as a, of a pass protector, which is something you mentioned. But from a ball in my hands, uh, I'm going to run routes. Uh, it just physical talent ability as a running back. I think it's pretty close. And so I need to see that from him now because you're making twelve million dollars per year on average. Joe. So, um, yeah, I'll give Jack a number here. I think probably 65 catches per year on average for the rest of his remaining years under this contract, whether that's four or five, uh, depending on whether or not they pick up that that last year, that team option. And, and then he's got to exceed 1,100 yards. I need you to be in the 12 to 1,300 range. And that a lot of that has to do with the offensive line and play calling and, and being committed to the run game. But we're talking about 1,800 yards from scrimmage probably on average from a guy like that. And that's kind of where I'm at expectations-wise. And a 2,000 yards from scrimmage season for Joe probably should happen within the next few years, maybe 2021 or 2022 when the line is better, at least on paper. But I, I certainly think that's that's where my expectations are. They're pretty damn high. James, a quick trivia question for you. In response to both of our expectations, I looked this up after we both answered. How many running backs in the NFL in 2019 had more than 60 catches? What number would you guess? Ooh, just really quick. Zeke was under because I looked at the numbers on Monday. Um, Kamara was over, McCaffrey over. I'll say four. It was seven. And it goes wow. McCaffrey, who had 135 targets because he was literally the entire Gosh. offense in Carolina. Austin Eckler, who was undrafted. Alvin oh Kamara, who had 81 catches. Tariq Cohen in Chicago, 102 targets for 79 catches. Leonard Fournette, who is now an unrestricted free agent, I believe, had 76 catches for Jacksonville. James White in New England had 72. And Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell in New York had 66 so when you're talking about Mixon, getting into that stratosphere, that's how he's being paid. And, and it's not the $16 million that McCaffrey got, but it's more than Eckler got. And while Eckler is probably not the runner 
that Mixon is, you could split the difference in the receiving game and get somewhere close. I think we're on a pretty similar page there in terms of what we're looking for for all-purpose yards, for receiving yards for Mixon. Speaking of all-purpose yards and Jays, we have three questions about Joe Mixon from J Names on Twitter today. The next one comes from Jason at MortgageManJ. Over under in 2020, 1,600 all-purpose yards for Joe Mixon. It better be over. What? Are you kidding me? It better be over. I mean, he had 1,137 rushing yards and 287 receiving yards last year, right? Behind an awful offensive line. Behind, you know, with Ryan Finley for three games. One of the worst offenses in the league. So it better be plus 1,600 plus. I mean, like I said, my expectations are high. So when you you talk about 60 receptions, well, that should easily translate to, to 400 yards, unless my math is just insane. But let's just go low and say 350. Okay, well, is Joe going to run for 1,250 yards this year? I certainly hope so. I hope he can eclipse that 1,200-yard rushing mark uh, for, for the first time in his career. Uh, I think he should go be a pro bowler this year. I, I think I think he should be on all these top 100 lists a year from now. So I, I certainly expect a huge year out of Joe. So I, I would take the over. Yeah, I would probably look to take the over here as well and a lot of that like I said is because Joe Mixon came a very long way as a pass blocker in in 2020 or in 2019 his last eight weeks of the season he was really well graded from PFF in most of those games as a pass blocker with the one exception really standing out as a Pittsburgh game besides that good pass blocker that means you don't have to take him off the field anymore so so here's the issue is the Bengals are still paying Giovanni Bernard a lot of money for a running back, mm-hmm. and they're still going to need to get him work. They're not going to do it by putting both running backs on the field, especially with all the wide receiver talent they have, especially with the investment they're making in their tight ends and the way Joe Burrow likes to throw to those tight ends. So what gives? And and it's probably snaps for Gio, I, I think, because you got to keep Joe on the field. And that's what should give. <laughs> I mean, Gio might not be here in a year. And the reality is he's got a really low, I, I forget the number, the cap hit, if they release him after this season. And he's a really good guy. And maybe he'll restructure his deal after this year. I could see that being a possibility. But you can't let, and you said something earlier in this podcast, Jake. If it doesn't work with Joe, you can't just keep doing it because you paid him. Well, Gio was kind of your insurance for Joe. And now you have Joe. And now you got to unleash him. And you can't not do that because you paid Gio. You know, because Gio is a top 15 paid running back in the league this year. Uh, look, it, it looks bad. Fine. But writing that wrong isn't doubling down and putting the ball in 25's hands more than you need to. It's getting the ball to 28 and showing the, the league and allowing him uh, to be the dynamic player that he is. Uh, Jeff on Twitter has one more Mixon question, Jake. He says, assuming Mixon's, Mixon gets targets in the passing game, is there a need for eight receivers with that said, who does that leave on the chopping block come cut week? I don't know, man. We're going to talk about this in a couple of days. This is impossible for me to answer. I, I have no idea how to figure out which wide receivers are going to make this team without preseason games, without you know really having the benefit of watching that scrimmage myself. Auden Tate didn't even play in the scrimmage, which in my opinion just means he's on the team. But they have some guys that, that maybe are dinged up. I don't know. But... Yeah, I mean, we just talked about this a little bit, right? If Joe Mixon is going to get, you know, say 30 more targets a year, 
these wide receivers aren't going to be on the field anyway. And, and it doesn't really change Joe Mixon's target amount. The Bengals are not going to have eight wide receivers active on game day. So I, I don't know how they figure it out, but I think that that is an incredibly difficult decision. It is. I, I, I don't think the two are tied together, right? Like Alex Erickson, if you keep him, or Stanley Morgan, if you keep him, it has honestly, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, nothing to do with their wide receiver abilities or very little. It has to do with what they do on special teams, what they do in returns, what they do, you know, Morgan does, like I said, as a specialist. And in worst case, like you're hoping they never play receiver for you this year or very rarely in blowouts where you're up by a lot. So I don't know if one is tied to the other. I would probably keep eight receivers. But regardless, Joe Mixon should be the Bengals' best offensive player this year. That includes Tyler Boyd. That includes A.J. Green. That, that should be him. And, and so we'll, we'll see if that happens. But that's my expectation for him. I hope that Joe Burrow is the Bengals' best offensive player this year. And we have a question about Joe Burrow coming up next. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's wrap up this midweek mailbag, James, with a few more questions. The next one from Only Wheel Routes at Stephen Cuervo on Twitter. I love that Twitter name, Only Wheel Routes. He says that a lot of number nine's big plays seem to come from rolling to the right. How concerned should we be about the right side of the offensive line handling that? or limited reps in the scramble drill with starting wide receivers not named Tyler Boyd? Give me some Joe Mixon will routes this year, baby. Speaking of that, um, look, should we be concerned? Yes, and we should be concerned not, because of the offensive line is the biggest question mark on the team, right? So absolutely, that part is concerning. Here's what I'll say about Burrow. He's also rolled well to the left, and even though he's right-handed, he's really good at resetting his body, planting his feet, and getting that ball out very quickly, even though he rolls out to the left. So he can make plays on both sides. So I don't want to pretend this is a, a Baker Mayfield situation where he can only roll out one way, which is what defenses saw last year uh, from the Browns quarterback. Uh, but the limited reps are, are a little concerning because I wanted him to get into a rhythm with A.J. Green, get into a rhythm with John Ross, get into a rhythm with all of these guys. And honestly, uh, if, if you're talking about familiarity and who he's worked with the most and who he's had a lot of success with it's Auden Tate Tyler Boyd and not necessarily in that order but Auden Tate Tyler Boyd and Mike Thomas <laughs> and you know we're, we're expecting Auden Tate if all goes well to be a compliment in this offense Mike T- Thomas to not get many reps in this offense if Ross and Higgins and all these guys are on the field with Green so uh, I do think that part's a little concerning but it's not the end of the world, and you really hope over the next two weeks here, you know, these two practice weeks, that they're able to get a lot of reps in and we're not seeing uh, – or we, we just don't hear about how many times he's thrown to Green or how many times he's thrown to Ross as they prepare for week one. You ready to put a tinfoil hat on, James? Yeah. So here's my theory is that A.J. Green was held out of practice so that he could not be captured by any sort of media – before he's ready to go. And he's going to get two weeks of full practices in with Joe Burrow, and he was getting throwing in with him. 
inside the stadium where media wasn't allowed. And I know you guys were there for the beginning of practice. Now he was he was dressed today, right? He was a he was a go. So I think that they'll get it figured out before week one. I think the entire NFL is going to be a little bit off to a slow start this year. But I I I just I don't know, man. I just I. Uh, may, maybe this is a part of me that's blindly optimistic. I just see Joe Burrow hitting the ground running with a stellar supporting cast in Cincinnati. That would be very AJ Green like to go under the radar and then come out, you know, and have 200 yards week one, right? It, it just dominate completely in his first game in uh, a year and like eight months. All right, let's uh, keep things rolling with David Wiesenhan. And David, I got your name right because you uh, put it in your bio. I appreciate that. Or you put it on your uh, your headliner there. Is Auden Tate tradable? If so, this season or next season? Given that the Bengals just threw money at Joe Mixon, I, I don't see them being very willing to part with Auden Tate right now. They might lose both John Ross and A.J. Green next year. They might not. They might keep one of them. But if they lose both of those guys, then you have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and and who? Well, Auden Tate would be at least something to have on the field with those guys. You would be the slowest wide receiving core maybe in the history of the NFL at that point, but you'd have a bunch of guys that have their own skills and, and can win in contested situations, and I just don't see them ready to move on from him. Now, if you're asking what what I think his trade value is, I think he's more valuable to the Bengals than I think he is to the rest of the NFL. I would agree with that because of the injury history, because of his the way he he seems to have a good rapport with Burrow. Yeah. And it might just be Burrow works with everybody. But th- that that is valuable, especially this year. That's not saying that they wouldn't trade him at some point. And when you said and who, I instantly thought of Jamar Chase. Just just yeah. saying that. And I'm not even saying it's realistic, but, you know, um, th- th- yeah, that's the name that came to mind. Ultimately, though. I, I think they end up drafting a, another receiver relatively early next year, regardless of Green, regardless of Ross. And and we'll see with Tate. I, I think he might be more of a compliment really throughout his, his career here. I, I, I don't want to say that to him and be mean to him, but I, I don't know if he's ever going to get a an extension in Cincinnati. It really just depends on uh, who stays healthy, who doesn't, and if he gets an opportunity to to really show he can be that guy. But I don't know if it's fair to ever expect him to be that guy, be, you know, a a three uh, on an offense that also has T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. The the big question really is, is can, can he, can he pioneer a new type of success as an every down receiver in the NFL? Cause there, there's big guys that have won in the NFL and Quan Bolden, right? Mm-hmm. But, and they worked out together this off season, but it's not like Tate's playing in the slot, right? Mm-hmm. He, he has to win outside. And, and I think that that gets a little bit harder now, could they work Auden Tate into the slot and treat him as a as a big slot weapon? Maybe. I wouldn't put it past them. This team does like to get receivers in the slot. This offense features more effective slot receivers and other types of offense due to the way that they align in a lot of their formations. So could there be a world where I see Auden Tate being a reliable starting wide receiver in the NFL? You could certainly see him getting there. You know, he was young when he came into the league. He was very productive in college, and when he's had opportunities, he, he we talk about it all the time. He's a human highlight reel, so you can see it, but he would be pioneering, I think, in a lot of ways for, for a guy with his athletic profile 
at wide receiver to be a reliable outside weapon in the modern NFL. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast for the rest of the week. Well, James, it is getting close to cut down day, and that means we have to get our 53-man rosters projected. We'll get into that before the weekend. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.